good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. And let's start off with today's daily numbers. Thailand logs 13,821 new COVID cases, the fewest since July 22nd, and 241 more fatalities during the previous 24 hours, the Public Health Ministry announced on Tuesday morning. It was the second consecutive day the new caseload was smaller than 14,000. There were 13,303 cases in the general population and 518 among prison inmates. On Monday, 16,737 COVID-19 patients were discharged from hospital after recovering from the coronavirus. And we'll start off with our first story of the day. Jobless tour guides committing suicide, forced to steal. Nine tour guides based in Hatyai have taken their own lives since the pandemic shut down the tourist sector, while others have descended to theft to stay alive, according to an industry spokesman. Witiya Se Lim, former chairman of the Sankla Professional Guides Association, said about 600 local guides had been without work since early last year. Mr. Whittier was speaking while handing out donated rice to jobless guides at Jijong Klong Palm Shrine in downtown Hat Jai on Tuesday. He said all of the roughly 600 tour guides based in Hat Jai were unemployed and reliant on handouts of donated rice and dried food. Mr. Whittier said donors in Malaysia's Sarawak state had recently gifted 160 bags of rice, each weighing 5 kilograms, to him to distribute among the unemployed guides. Since the COVID-19 pandemic hit the country, nine guides based in Hat Yai had committed suicide since returning to their home provinces, according to Mr. Whittier. Many were from Phuket, Yala's Betong district and Bangkok. One of them jumped to his death from a building in Phuket. The story was not reported by the media, he said but was widely known in the local tour guide community. Some guides had fallen into states of depression and resorted to stealing goods. They were caught and had to seek help from fellow guides, he said. Many guides had no second jobs, but still had to pay the rent on their homes and tuition fees for their children. Some could not get access to state financial assistance, he said. He called on the Tourism and Sports Ministry to investigate their plight, not only in Hat Yai, but in all tourist provinces. They were all without work and in desperate need of remedial assistance. Most guides were not yet vaccinated against COVID-19, he said, yet they were frontline workers in the tourism industry. One woman who arrived for a bag of rice said she had been a guide in Hat Yai for four years. Now she had been unemployed for almost two years. She stayed at a rented house and had been digging into her savings. The money had now run out. She had no idea when tourists would come back to Hadiai and she could again find work. So this is the plight of tourist guides and it's something we haven't heard that much about. We've heard about big hotels, bars and restaurants and things like that. But we have not heard about is these tour guides and how a lot of them are out of work. Now I have two kind of thought processes on this. The first one is there seems to be no government assistance for these people. And that to me is just a terrible indictment of this government. I mean, with no tourism, what are they expected to do? But then the other kind of thought I have is the work that you had been doing has now dried up. And I think you kind of have to look and think you need to change that whole idea of what your work was and reinvent yourself and find something else to do to make a living. I know a lot of people who've been affected by the pandemic who had worked in hotels and other places and they've gone back to their home 
provinces and towns and they've you know reinvented themselves they start doing different things they start selling food they start cooking they opened a little restaurant they start selling stuff online and these are all the kind of things they did to make sure they made some form of money and i also think this needs to be done as well by by these people just sitting around and hoping that tourists are going to come back is not the answer too because the way the government is currently behaving it'll be a long time before it happens or when there's some significant flow of tourism for me that won't be until high season probably 2022-23. It's about keeping yourself busy and finding alternative forms of work. But then the government do also have to help them and they can help them monetary and also by retraining them and possibly finding them jobs outside of the tourism industry. And I think that's very important. Both those things would certainly be a help. I think one of the things that have been highlighted over the last year and a half here in Thailand is the real lack of mental health awareness and support in this country for people who are going through a rough time. And certainly they don't know what the numbers they should be calling when they do need help. These are definitely things. Now, I know the Samaritans do exist here in Thailand. So, I mean, I'm going to actually leave that number down below for people who may need someone to talk to in the future because, you know, talking to somebody can always help you a little bit and take you away from the the edge of something that maybe you will not be able to come back from in the future. Now, up next is a story that I have been asked about a lot in the last couple of days. Cop linked to murder had assets worth 600 million baht. Investigators have found the former chief of Moang Nakan Sawan, Joe Ferrari, whose order to have a plastic bag placed over the head of a drug suspect during questioning is alleged to have caused his death, owns property with an estimated value of at least 600 million Thai baht. Police Colonel Titasan, aka Joe Ferrari, was found to hold considerable assets in money and property stemming from arrest rewards and tax evasion concerning the import and sale of luxury vehicles, many of which had earlier been seized by the Customs Department. The officers are also investigating other alleged misconduct, including accepting bribes from four other drug suspects. The Crime Suppression Division will deliver its findings to the National Anti-Corruption Commission today. Deputy National Police Chief General Suchard yesterday told media that the police will continue to probe the money trail left behind by Joe Ferrari after it was found that the suspect had seized 410 imported cars for tax evasion and then gone on to oversee and profit from their auction by the Customs Department. Five more luxury vehicles previously impounded by police were also found at his house. Another official accused of helping him has not yet been found to have committed any crime while the six officers who were present during the fatal interrogation will face no further action, said Police General Suchart, who also said there was no evidence that the suspect was suffering from a mental disorder of any kind. The investigation team are continuing to examine the suspect's assets and the origins of deceased luxury vehicles. Police Colonel Lenek, Deputy Commander of the Crime Suppression Division, told media yesterday that he has sought a court order to have the suspect and seven accused accomplices kept in custody a while longer while the probe continues. The suspect is still likely to face the original set of charges including causing harm leading to death and murder. The investigation is thought to be about 80% complete and case files will be delivered to the National Anti-Corruption Commission by September 24th, according to Police Colonel Lenek. So this is the bent copper Joe Ferrari. Clearly, oh wait, I have to say, allegedly bent murderer copper. I think it's pretty obvious that he's been on the take for years. 
and it's been right under the noses of the police, his bosses, the National Anti-Corruption Commission, everybody. They probably have all known about it, but just kept their mouths quiet because they didn't want to rock the boat too much and have people start looking at them too. I think the police need to have a serious look at themselves. Getting money from drug busts and, and these uh, car auctions as well is just ridiculous. It creates a conflict of interest and it certainly is not how many police forces around the world operate. I know this guy has gone from having a press conference to apologizing for what he did to now denying that he didn't he he killed anybody to admitting that he did interrogate him but he didn't murder him and who knows what's going to happen in this case again i'm still going with my original prediction is that he will never serve a jail term for this and a year from now he'll be seen in a lamborghini driving around bangkok visiting siam paragon and other shopping malls because this is exactly how tyler and works for guys like this. But what do you think? Do you think this guy's ever going to spend a, a day in prison in relation to a sentence if he gets one? I'd love to know your opinion down below in the comment section. Now, next up are a few stories in relation to the semi-reopening of the country. It's a far cry from what the Prime Minister promised us all, that we would be fully reopened by October, but this is what it is right now. Samui to launch Sandbox program from October 1. Beginning October, Koh Samui will replace the Samui Plus model to promote tourism with the more liberal Sandbox program. Hotel bookings are expected to exceed 10,000 nights, Chief District Tirapong Chuachu told the press on Sunday. Under this Samui Plus model, after Samui, the islands of Panya and Phuket have been open for tourists who are fully vaccinated since July 15th. From July 15th to September 1, 524 tourists visited under this Samui Model Plus. A total of four infection cases were found, two on the first day, one each on the 7th and 13th days, said Tirapong. A total of 331 tourists have travelled to Samui after they completed the Phuket Sandbox mandatory stay and 5 tourists from the 7 plus 7 scheme. In addition, there have been 576 advanced bookings by tourists from September to October, totaling 7,171 room nights, which is a satisfactory number, he said. Tirapong said the Koh Samui is likely to reach 10,000 booking nights soon. The booking number is expected to be higher when the COVID-19 measures are lifted in October, according to the government's plan, and the Samui Plus model will be changed to the Samui Sandbox program. We are ready to launch the Samui Sandbox program from October 1, Hence, we have been preparing and collecting data since July, said the district chief. Under the Samui Plus, a visitor is required to stay on the property of the Samui Plus Hotel for the first three days. Visitors can leave the hotel room, but not the hotel itself. From day 4 to 7, only travel to specific routes and destinations are permitted. From day 8 to 14, tourists can travel anywhere in Samui and even go to Koh Panyang and Koh Tao. On the 15th day, a visitor can leave Samui and travel anywhere in Thailand. In comparison, the Sandbox program would require visitors to complete 14 nights in Samui before being allowed to visit other Thai destinations. They must also test negative for COVID-19 two more times on day 6 and 7 and day 12 to 13. So this is the beginning of the sandbox model being rolled out to a number of destinations around Thailand. I do believe that people will be able to still participate in the 7 plus 7 program so they could still do 7 days in Phuket and then transfer over to 7 days on Samui Island. To me, I don't think they're going to get a great deal of people wanting to go for 14 nights to Samui. I think the numbers alone show that, but we'll see how it works out for them. Now that leads us into the Hua Hin reopening plan that's starting October 1. Hua Hin's reopening 
plan, scheduled to begin on October 1, aims to attract tourists arriving by commercial flights and private jets via Hua Hin Airport. Tourism Authority of Thailand Governor Yutasak Supasorn said travelers can visit through the Hua Hin Recharge Scheme by traveling non-stop in a vehicle from Suvanabum Airport or via a transit flight to Hua Hin Airport, which Thai Airways previously operated prior to the pandemic. Hua Hin Recharge it covers an area of 86.3 square kilometers between Hua Hin Municipality and Nong Khe District, allows tourists to travel without quarantine once they receive a negative test result upon arrival. The recharge area can also receive tourists who spend the first seven days of their trip in the Phuket Sandbox under the 7 plus 7 extension scheme, which is the latest phase of the program. Although Hua Hin Airport has a short runway, only 2.1 kilometers in length, it can accommodate both private jets and narrow-body aircraft, including a Boeing 737 or Airbus A320 jets, which can travel within a flight radius of about five hours. Mr. Yutasak said, if flights between Phuket and Koh Samui, which also have a short runway, can operate, then flights from Phuket to Hua Hin are also a possibility. In April, Phoenix Group, a subsidiary under Phoenix Aviation, a Hong Kong-based aviation advisory company, signed a memorandum of understanding with Hua Hin Airport to develop the facility for more international direct flights. Recently, Phoenix Group have hosted a roadshow to promote Hua Hin recharge scheme and seven international airlines from Singapore, Hong Kong, China and India are said to be interested in joining the program. The Minister of Tourism and Sports said the ministry is working to procure more vaccines for residents in Hua Hin, which is another critical factor for reopening. If possible, the ministry would like to include nearby areas or the whole of Prachikiri Khan province for mass vaccination, meaning the area open to tourists can be extended in the near future, he said. As of September 4, residents of the recharge area who had received their first jab stood at 73.4%, while 24% of the total population of 90,564 had been fully vaccinated. Prachikiri Khan needs another 11,000 vaccine doses to maintain a high safety level for local communities, said Mr. Piapat. The full reopening of Prechup Kiri Khan and Pechaburi province will be more beneficial to the local economy because recharge can connect to other provinces along the coastline such as Chumpon and Renong, he said. The president of the Thai Spa Association and speaking as a project leader of Hua Hin Recharge said the occupancy rate for all Hua Hin hotels offering 5,042 rooms is expected to soar to 60% in the fourth quarter with an average stay of 3.99 days. So let's break this down for you. The Hua Hin Recharge Plan is similar to the Phuket Sandbox model. You would apply for your COE, etc., and meet all the requirements in relation to the COE, such as vaccination certificate, travel insurance covering COVID, SHA plus accommodation, and prepaid PCR testing as well. You would then have two options. The first option would be to fly direct to Bangkok, Suvanabum Airport, and then be taken by a direct transfer to your hotel. It's not clear where you would do the initial PCR test, at the airport, at the hotel on arrival. I would doubt anyone would run direct flights to Hua Hin without seeing the take-up of this project first either, so there's some things to consider. The other option would be to do a 7 plus 7 with arriving in Phuket for 7 nights and then transferring to Hua Hin for another 7 nights under the sealed route program. Again, I can't see any airline currently lining up to do that route. Even in the glory days of the amazing tourism numbers, it was not an economically viable route to do. So that would just leave either a flight back to Bangkok and then bus transfer, or a bus transfer direct from Phuket to Hua Hin, which would take anywhere between 10 to 12 hours. It's another sandbox program under a sealed route, though I'm confused who it might be aimed at, and is it in Hua Hin's best interest? Hua Hin is a very popular destination for both Thais and expats from Bangkok and surrounding areas during the Thai holidays and at weekends. 
With this new programme, tighter entry requirements will need to be brought in to Huihin, such as vaccination certificates and rapid antigen testing, similar to that in Phuket and Panya province. These requirements have all but killed off Thai domestic market. For me, Huihin will need a strong domestic market to have any chance of success. But will locals and expats line up for all these requirements? I don't really think so, unless the cost associated with these ATK testing is significantly reduced. The cheapest lab ATK test that I have found is 500 Thai baht. However, I do know that Phuket will allow people to do their own tests at the checkpoint in a trial project, so we will see how that works out. These sandbox projects are just not popular with international travellers. We all know that, and we all know why. The numbers are there as proof, which confuses me as to why they continue to persist with them. Anyway, that's the Hua Hin project in a nutshell. What do you think about it? Would it appeal to you? Would you travel to Hua Hin for 14 nights, or would the 7 plus 7 model appeal to you more? I'd love to know your opinion down below in the comment section. Now up next, monks in hot water over live stream. Pramaha Sampong Talputa and Pramaha Raiwan Warawuna went live on Facebook over the weekend and their followers were treated to a dose of comical exchanges between the two monks poking fun at current affairs and politics. The talk show, peppered with teenage slang, was an instant hit. At one point, the session logged a whopping 200,000 viewers. However, Buddhist authorities did not find the session amusing. For Buddhist monks to livestream, burst out laughing and giggling, soliciting donations and possibly engaging in comical activities are areas that violate the Sangha rules, according to critics. In fact, the National Office of Buddhism is looking into whether the two preachers have conducted themselves in a way deemed unbecoming of Buddhist monks. Their immediate governing order, headed by the abbot of Wat Soi Tong in Bangsu district of Bangkok, will review the live event and assess the propriety of the monks' conduct during the session. Pra Kru Samru Wachara, assistant abbot of Wat Rakan Klossi Taram, said no serious religious offences appears to have been committed by the monks. The session may have at times been low and useful content, he said. However, it's a modern communication tool that reaches out to young people and be seen as a diversion from the mental stress brought on by the pandemic. Preaching that conforms to conventional formats has failed to capture the attention of many people. They sometimes even ask the monks outright to keep it concise, he said. The session may have split public opinion, but the criticism should not be based on biases against individual monks, the assistant abbot said. Monks can weave jokes and funny anecdotes into their preaching, which poses no concern. However, if monks call for public donations, they must provide clear details of money going in and out of their accounts, he said. Meanwhile, Pramaha Praiwan clarified via social media that his live program was to bring religion closer to the people and to deepen their understanding of the Dhamma. The live event was formatted to bridge an otherwise widening gap between lay people and temples. He said people who oppose these types of programs are entitled to their opinions. However, the senior monk said styles of Dhamma preaching should be tailored to suit different ages and social groups. And now up next, some Phuket news. Yesterday, we had 232 local COVID-19 transmissions in Phuket. We had a whopping 146 international arrivals through the Sandbox scheme. None tested positive for COVID on arrival. They arrived on two Singapore airline flights. A total of 321 tourists tested negative for COVID on both their second and third test. There is no positive results. Since the 1st of July, 29,077 travellers have availed of the Sandbox programme. In other news, green patients allowed to home isolation. More community isolation centres will be set up across Phuket and more green-coded patients will be asked to observe quarantine at home, the island's health chief announced yesterday. 
And finally, fully jabbed Thai is needed in Phuket. A proposal has been drawn up to lure fully vaccinated Thai tourists to Phuket to help accelerate the recovery in local tourism, according to the provincial authorities. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.